You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you like dramatics, if you like last second missing sack throws from Deshaun Watson, if you like the Oilers revenge game 25 years later, then you love Saturday's AFC wild card game, the Houston Texans, Teller Two Halves. Uh, no matter how you want to put it, this was a roller coaster full of emotion, full of dramatics, full of, oh my gosh, what the hell are you doing? Full of, well, thank God, J.J. Watt is back, full of everything that you need. And, of course, Locked On Texans, we're back with another show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman here with my co-host. Cody Davis. And as of right now, we are recording this on a Saturday night, minutes after the game. Your Houston Texans are moving on to the divisional round of the AFC playoff. They defeat the Buffalo Bills 22-19 in overtime. There was so much going on in this game. Oh, my gosh. Nothing was worse, and I do mean nothing was worse, than the DeAndre Carter foolishness that took place in the third quarter. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, listen, there's so much that just went into this game, right, The, the first half. I don't know how many of us, I mean, you guys were on Twitter, you guys were on Facebook, you guys were in your homes drinking safely with your friends and family and probably yelling at your kids to get out of the room because you just didn't want to go off on them. But how many times did you say to yourself, what the hell was that? In the first half. It was, it was a lot. And we're going to talk about the first half. And we're actually going to talk about the second half in general when the Texans actually made their remarkable comeback. Yes. But... We, a, we have to we have to touch on this first. This is, because a, this is a dedication segment. This not only is a dedication seg- segment, this is probably the John and I are sorry section. Because oh, my gosh. Jay, can I, when, when, when we first heard, let me, let me break it down. Please, when I'm sorry. When we first heard the news that there was a possibility of J.J. Watt coming back, both John and I was like, look, he's not going to help the Texans win or lose. All he's going to do is go out there, risk his injury even further, and you don't know what that's going to do to his career moving forward. That's the side we was on. J.J. Watt said it in his interview on ESPN that the doctors gave him just a slither of hope, and he went out there on the field and played. And ladies and gentlemen, John and myself, we are wrong. And that one little slither of not, not just hope, but that slither of having J.J. Watt on that field made a big difference Saturday night. The biggest difference was just the game, literally the game turning point. Well, J.J. had that big sack, which caused the Bills to kick their field goal. They go up 16-0, but from that point, the Texans run off 19 points in a row, right? I'm, I'm, I'm totally apologetic. And I wish I had his address to send him a just to send him a random I'm sorry card out of the Hallmark session section because I was wrong. I'm okay with admitting that. Not only did he change the game with that sack, but you just felt the energy shift towards the Texans offense, towards the Texans defense, where they was able to get two more sacks after that. Big sacks. So much so that the Texans gave up seven sacks, right? 
but it only resulted in 28 yards lost. The Bills gave up three sacks, one to J.J., one to Merciless, one to Martin, and they gave up 28 yards on their loss. So the sacks that came were meaningful, came at the right time, and the energy and the building shifted. The offense got energy. Like I said, they ran off 19 points. The defense started to play bigger than what they were playing. They were able to stop a great game plan by the OC of the Buffalo Bills, um, Brian DeBall. It's, it's, I can credit to J.J. Watt. And even before he had that big sack on the field in the third quarter, his presence on the field was felt even when the Texans were struggling. Because when they, when they was held scoreless, when the offense was held scoreless, J.J. Watt is the reason why the Buffalo Bills did not rack up more than 19 points. Before which is they, around before their they average. Went, yeah, which is around their average before they went on that tear. And I want to tell you guys about his on-field, off-field production, mainly in the first half because you saw it when the game started. You knew he wasn't going to play every single snap. We knew and that. Towards the end of the game, when it was like, okay, the Houston oh, yeah. Texans have a chance to win, he was out there on the like, field. Like, who was going to pull Justin James off the field at that moment after the exactly. plays and the energy he's he's gave the team? Nobody. Exactly. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he probably set out one, possibly two snaps between the fourth quarter and overtime. But Overtime thriller. Overtime thriller. Oh, my right? gosh. I got a thriller hoodie on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, just take a look at his on-field and off-field production, mainly in that first half. The Texans gave up 247 yards total in the first half. 170 came when J.J. Watt was off the field. 88 came in rushing. Versus when J.J. Watt was on the field, they only gave up 77 yards. Only 12 came in rushing. Big difference. That is a big Big difference difference alone. Now, you and I, we had talked about this. Early in the week. Early in the week, J.J. Watt do help that front seven. And... We just gave y'all the numbers of how big of a difference maker J.J. Watt is to the front seven. But ladies and gentlemen, he's not only a difference maker to the front seven because that's just only one aspect of the team. He is the heart and soul, the difference maker of this team alone. Because after that fumble, that opened the doors for Deshaun Watson to get things going. That also, Whitney Merciless, I don't know if they got like a little brother, big brother relationship going on. But right after that fumble, the next defensive possession came for Whitney Merciless when he caused that strip fumble on Josh Allen. J.J. Watt, (laughs) just having him on that field, not even just on the field, just on the sideline, in the locker room, suiting up. That's their leader, and when you see your leader going, everybody else follows in line. And the Texans, to your point, they did a damn good job excluding Josh Allen. Sometimes you really just can't account for your quarterback, uh, opposing quarterbacks to take off. The Texans did a hell of a job containing the run game. Now, on paper, the stats, the Bills rushed for 172 yards. 92 of those yards came from Josh Allen. And it's going to be difficult to kind of stop somebody that is, I mean, that's their bread and butter. And then Brian DeBall, he just did a hell of a job. Like the very first play of the, I mean, the very first drive of the game, it did a hell of a job on scheming Josh Allen to get into some of those lanes, running some sweeps. But outside of Josh Allen, they contain that run game to under 100 yards. J.J. Watt was meaningful on offense. He don't even play offense. He was definitely meaningful on defense. What he did with that sack shot the whole stadium up. Everybody could feel it. 
And I'm I'm listen, I'm wrong, and I'm glad that we have him back. I am glad that the Texans have him back going into next week's game because uh, without him, would they win the game? Not only did J.J. Watt, well, I mean, we know he was him and Watson were the heroes of the game, and we'll get into Watson and his play, of course, coming up. The unsung hero, and I mean this. I mean, I, how many times did I say that special teams will matter in this game? I mentioned earlier in the week that J.J. Watt, when he went down, teams were averaging over 160 rushing yards. He comes back, he does a much better job of containing running backs, and the defense looks much better. But I mentioned special teams will matter. Brian Anger, the punter, had a phenomenal game. And I don't, I don't think nobody should overlook it. Anger pinned the Buffalo Bills inside of their 20 multiple times and made the field longer for the Bills to succeed. That offense is already handicapped. It's not explosive. It's kind of one centered around Josh Allen and what he can do with his talent. But he kept that Houston defense in the game to make plays. Made it harder. Made the, the how, how far you want to go to score. Made the field longer to go score. And Anger deserves a lot of credit in this game. And back-to-back punts, they were inside of the 15. And like I said, the Bills' offense, you don't really fear the Bills' offense. What do you fear with this team? That's their defense. Their offense hovers around 19 points. That's what they scored. Would have kept it at 16 if maybe Bill O'Brien would have just kept kicked the three at the end of the game <laughs> instead of going to overtime. But no matter about that. But Anger did an amazing job Saturday. And uh, kudos to him. Kudos to him and the special teams. Put us to the Texans for pulling this game out. Like the rest of us, I bet you're going into the 2020 thinking about what you didn't get in the round two in 2019 and your goals for the New Year's. I know I am, and I'm sticking to it. If you want to work towards being your best self in 2020, understand more about the world around you and make sure your time is well spent, then Blinkist is for you. Plain. Simple to put it. Blinkist is for anyone who cares about learning but doesn't have a lot of time. Blinkist takes the key insights from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers in over 27 categories and condenses them down to 15-minute blinks, which are text and audio explainers that help you understand more about the core ideas of each book. Simple, guys. Very quick. I like Blinkist because I work around kids, and I don't always have the time of day to sit down and focus on one book. Hey, mister. Hey, mister. I need help. And sometimes I just have to help. Blinkist really helps you get down to the core of the book. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a premium Blinkist membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash locked on. There's so much we have to talk about. Make sure you guys use the promo code locked on. There's a lot we have to talk about. The first part of this game, Josh Allen came out looking like a mixture of Tom Brady and Michael Vick. And the way the Houston Texans went from bad to good, Josh Allen went from good to bad. Now, I know this is only his second season. and First playoff game. First playoff game. And not only that, he you can tell, especially when the Bills started to lose the momentum, there's still a lot of growth that Josh Allen needs to do, especially when it was late in the fourth quarter. He ran for 20 yards, and he actually threw the ball behind him. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. That that didn't make any kind of sense. I'm like, one, I know you're in Houston, but you're not playing against the Sabercats, which is the rugby team. They're, they, they're <laughs> able to throw it behind the back, but you're football. So 
you know, the rules are different. You have to throw it forward, but you was already going down. But you're not our quarterback, so we're not going to go too into depth about that. If you want to hear more about that, I guess go check out Locked on Bills. But the first half of this game, Josh Allen, my God, 16 for 25, 164 yards. Mm -hmm. In his first drive, 11 passing yards, 42 rushing yards. And 16 receiving yards, which was that god-awful trickery play. John Brown didn't even throw the ball that good. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. The Bills started off the first drive. They just was clever, and they caught the Texans sleeping. Uh, the trick plays, the sweeps to get their players in, in open lanes, getting them into spaces where they can take advantage of. Um, and then we really have to give credit to Brian DeBall, the OC for the Bills. I mean, I think he stole the show in the first half. If if the Bills would have won this game, then we would have looked at that very first play, that very first drive in the first half as, oh, wow, well, this is what won them the game. And potentially it was going to win them the game until that sack that we mentioned about with J.J. Watt that, you know, held the, the Bills to three points instead of them getting the, the touchdown. Um, but Josh Allen really showed his age. Um, he's only in his sophomore year. First postseason game. I'm not a big fan of Josh Allen whatsoever. I, I think he's a limited quarterback. But nonetheless, in the first half, not only did the Bills offense go out there and hit the Texans in the mouth, but the Bills defense. I mean, they had every answer that you would want if you're a Bills fan from your defense in response to any Texans questions that they may have thrown at them. But so much so... Josh Allen had more receiving yards in the first half than DeAndre Hopkins, who was just voted an all-pro a couple of days ago. So what they were able to do on offense to get an early lead, and let's just say this, as great as the Bills were in the first half, we have to remember they only scored one touchdown. The rest of their points, three, 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 and three. Four field goals to end out the game. But credit to them, their first half, especially that first drive, was exactly what they needed to get on the board. They had 13 first downs, eight through the air, five on the ground. And the Texans had a difficult time stopping Singletary for, for the most part of the entire game. He was able to get small, get skinny, hit lanes, get extra yards. He had three first downs. They, had, they allowed 247 total yards in the first half, like you talked about. The Bills had four sacks in the first half. They were getting after Deshaun Watson, and they won the time of possession game as well. The Texans were not awoke. They came out the entire first half sleep. Were not able to establish anything, whether it was on the ground or air. Deshaun Watson played poorly in that first half. Uh, Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly, whoever were calling the plays, they did not do a good job. And, you know, I'll mention the, the four sacks in the first half. Um, out of those four, maybe it was five. I can't remember off the top. But out of those, two or three were on Deshaun Watson. And, again, we talked about this all 17 weeks of the year, going into week 18 now but the, because of the postseason. Hey, at some point, get rid of the ball. He was still taking sacks, and the Bills really piled up pressure against the Texans. I think that's why we were so – in tune with that second half because they overcame a lot, even though they're only down uh, 13 to zero going into the first half. And then they got down 16 to zero because of JJ Watt's sack. 
they overcame a lot, and the game should have been out of place longer than what it was. But kudos to the Bills for coming out hot like they did. My number one issue with the Houston Texans, especially in that first half, and John, I know you harped on this a lot. Whoever they face in the next round, and as of right now, we're recording this in the middle of the Patriots and Tennessee Titans game, and right now the Titans are up, but by the time you guys hear this, you will know who we are facing. But the Texans cannot, and I don't know if they were ever this season, because they might have one more game, but they cannot continue to come out so flat Flats. and so poorly, because this was against like the Buffalo Bills. Of Sprite. This was against the Buffalo Bills, who... Came out and put 13 points at halftime, was up by 16-0. If they come out that flat against the Chiefs or the Ravens, there's one, there's no one hell they coming back. Because by the time J.J. get get a sack, they'll probably be down, what, 35-0 at that point. Because both of those offenses are explosive. And I guarantee you, they're going to light the Texans up if they come out flat. The Texans cannot. I don't know what Bill O'Brien and his coaching staff has to do. I don't... I, at some point, I don't even think it's the coaching staff. It Maybe it's it's like the mindset of the Houston, Texas players. I don't know. But at the end of the day, whatever it is, they need to figure that out come Monday or Tuesday. Wednesday or Thursday, they need to practice it. I'm pretty sure Friday is going to be a traveling day. But by the time they land either in Kansas City or Baltimore, they need to know we cannot come out flat. They need to come out gunning, running the field hard. Because once again, if they go down... 13, 16, nothing to the Chiefs or the Ravens, they're, they're not coming back. It's, it's over. over. And I'm it's pretty over. sure that 13, 16, nothing is going to be in the first quarter versus middle of the third quarter. Right. You go up against the Baltimore Ravens team who had how many all-pro or pro bowlers on their, their defense? Their damn team was just about all-pros. Right. And I'm saying that because we know how great this Bills defense were. But then on the flip side, we know how great the Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens offense are. Exactly. So... Uh, and I will say this, looking at this game, I think moving forward, and we'll talk about this a lot. This is something I want to discuss moving into the week, but depending on who you play should de- determine your running back situation. Mm. When I looked at this game, I think Duke Johnson was a better running back against his team because how shifty he is and how you know he can get between holes and create things. I think if you go play the Baltimore Ravens, I think Duke Johnson is more your running back. Compared to you play Carlos Hyde, I think Carlos Hyde should be your running back. I think that's something that you need to look at because Duke does a lot of different things Carlos just cannot do, right? If you need to check out and swing it, well, Duke, how many of those big catches that Duke have? Big plays that Duke have. Um, So I think that's one area of the field. I think that's one area of the team that the Texans need to look at, depending on who they play moving forward, uh, who who they should line up in the backfield. But absolutely right. I mean, they were bailed out because of how limited this Bills offense is. In the last two playoff games, including Saturday's game against the Bills, Houston has been outscored 34-0. to They can't do that. There's, There's no, no way in hell you can do that against the Ravens or the Chiefs. There's no way. Even and, and, and the thing about it is, you already did against the, 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 the Ravens once before this season, and you got 41-7 on. But I think the matchup for the Chiefs is better. We'll find out who they play. Well, the but the only thing about the Chiefs is when we played them, we were playing a, a, lot of guys, a lot of their guys was hurt, especially right. Patrick Mahomes. That was actually the game before he actually um, ended up hurting his knee. 
the the following week after that. But he's he's back in healthy. You know, their receiving core is back in healthy. I think they was missing probably like one or two guys on their defensive core as well. So as great as the Houston Texans played against the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to keep in mind they played against a high-bowl Chiefs team. I did. I did. And hopefully by next week, we'll see Fuller back. No, we won't. Hopefully. I'm not holding out hope. And maybe maybe hopefully isn't the word I should be using, but we'll see how that goes. I will say this. Um, the Texas O-line is a better matchup with the Chiefs because they had problems all night. And if it wasn't for what they called him, the Houston Houdini, Deshaun Watson, just being who he is, even with those seven sacks, and a few of those were created on his own, I, I, I just don't know where this team would have been. If that was A.J. McCarron, who's on the roster, of course, if that was Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if that, if that was David Carr, like if, that, if that was any of the previous quarterbacks, this game would be out of reach. So Watson and his athleticism, which I want him to use more often and be decisive with it instead of dancing and trying to make something. Because in this game, Especially in, in the first half and the third quarter, I saw it. I saw it in the fourth quarter as well. When he is not decisive, he misses receivers that are wide open. Just doing a little bit too much. So it's like, go ahead and run if you need to run. Or just dump it up to the open man. He he's had trouble in this game uh, covering, I mean, finding the open man, scanning the field. I want him to be more decisive because you have that in your package. Like if this is 2K. You have that scramble package. Use it. You're even deadlier. This offense is even deadlier when you use it. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because there was a time late in the game, and if he would have found Kenny Steele wide open down the field, this game probably won't even would not have even went into overtime. It was one of the, was one of the but plays. But it was one of those plays where you can tell where he didn't know if he wanted to run, but he actually ended up hitting DeAndre Hopkins, thankfully. But Kenny Steele was so wide open down that field. You know, even even earlier in the game, you know, the play right before DeAndre Hopkins fumbled, I watched Hopkins' body language, and he was frustrated because he was, he was wide open, he was and and Deshaun Watson missed him. And remember, I said, I said, I said, yo, Hopkins, he 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 mad now because the mad. way that his body language said, you know what, forget this game, forget you, forget everybody on this field. Like you can tell, he was really really frustrated. That was the main reason why he ended up fumbling that ball, but. I'm glad yeah, I think that so. You, he lost focus. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the indecisiveness of Watson, and in addition of taking unnecessary hits, that's something that he needs to work on going into next season. Because I because Watson is there. Watson is there. It's, it's it's like what I said. We did the crossover show with, with Locked On Bills uh, um a couple days ago. Watson is in that tier group with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and the rest of those guys. Whoever you want to throw in there, he's there. But if he could just fix just these minor tweaks, and there are big minor tweaks that he needs to fix, this guy can end up being better than than both of those guys. I'm not sure about that. I think he'll be able to you know, keep his name around that talk. Um, but nonetheless... You know, the tell of two halves, we're going to get into the second half, which won the Texas the game. It's just that everything that we can get on him about, he'll, he'll shut you up the next. Yeah, <laughs> and, shut, and that's exactly. He will shut you up. And that's exactly what he did. Just to reiterate how big Duke Johnson was, three rushes for 38 yards, 
three catches for 30 yards, combined for 68 yards on touching the ball six times. You want to know where he was also important at? He did a very great job on blitz pickups. The best of his ability, I know he's small in stature, but he did the, a, a great job in giving Deshaun Watson extra time to do something with the ball. The tales of two halves. Nobody sums this up better than Deshaun Watson. First half, six for eight, 49 yards, a career low for most yards in a half. Second half, 14 for 17, 198 yards, one rushing touchdown, and just clutch. Yeah. Uh, listen, what more do you want? I mean, the dramatics were there. The dramatics were... The very first game of the playoffs for the NFL's 100 year, the dramatics were there. I loved it. What, was I in here sweating? Mainly because I'm, I was sick, battling. And, uh, I'm on, like I said earlier today, I'm on <laughs> IR. Next to Will Fuller. Oh, wow. I'm sick of him. Oh, wow. Hey, but now we know there is no excuse to not find your all-pro receiver the ball like you did in the second half. Do you want to know that in the entire game, DeAndre Hopkins lined up against six different cornerbacks? First half, no catches. Two targets, no catches. Second half, he ended the game with 90 yards. There, there's no excuse for the Texans not to be able to find him the ball. I've been saying that. You've seen it for, what, two, three years now with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. So There's also no excuse for you not to have good sex, guys. Why? Because there is Blue Chew. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Bluetooth is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no more waiting in a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that special promo code Locked On and pay the $5 shipping. This game was so up and down. No pun intended to Bluetooth. <laughs> up and down. But the second half was just... It, it was... It was everything the Texans fans needed. Also, by the way, it was everything Bill O'Brien needed because if they would have ended that game, the way they started that game, I, I know that I have been on this well. I don't think you should put a lot of blame on Bill O'Brien and everything. I know. But if he would have ended that game with another loss to a team that just really wasn't better than you, because in the first half, I think the, the Bills outcoached the, the Texans. They scheme better. He would have got fired. He should have gotten fired. And there are people still saying he should get fired still, even though getting the win. I never understood <laughs> that. But if, the, if it would have ended how it would have started, rightfully so, hey, you got it. He, he should have been gone. Especially with the near controversial kick return for that, that Carter. Was, that was tragic. But the, the thing with Bill O'Brien, I've been on Bill O'Brien's side for the longest. But I was ready to jump off that train when it's fourth down and you could have easily kicked the field goal. Yeah. And you decided to run it 
try understood you was trying to get the first down. Yeah. That 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 would have ended up really bad for him. Oh, and listen, I, I would he would have made it out of the arena. I don't I don't think so. How often do we see fans throw things on the field? He wouldn't have made it out of out of the arena and DeAndre Carter and damn sure wouldn't have made it out the arena. He wouldn't have made it out of the right. I, I don't know what how Carter would have been treated, but <laughs> thankfully, what do they call it? The common sense decision? Yeah. Thankfully, they had the common sense because he gave up. He gave up himself as a runner. He gave himself up. But um, questions that needed answers was why didn't Billy O go for it? Go for the three instead of going for it. The field goal could have ended that game before it would have went to overtime. I'm personally glad it went to overtime. I like drama. I'm like TNT. We bring the drama. I love it. Why not? But that was a, a very questionable of many of his questionable play calls. Uh, throughout the entire season, even in a game. I understand if you want to go for it, even if you wanted to go for it, maybe, but the play that he chose uh, was terrible. They got it done. And kudos to Cody Ford, who had that god-awful penalty called on him that knocked the Bills out of field goal range, pushed them back, and then uh, Josh Allen throws it to uh, Williams, who drops it, which worked out perfectly for the Texans. They go ahead and punt, punt. Team goes out there. Texans go out and get that field goal after a big play to Taiwan Jones. That that play would be talked about for a while. I mean, the entire game we were mentioning how uh, Watson can be MJ Dabble Sweeney said, if you pass on this guy, Chicago Bears, you're passing up on Michael Jordan, which is funny because Chicago Bears, they passed up on Deshaun Watson, who was compared to Michael Jordan. But a loser sack, gets away with it, hits Taiwan Jones, a guy that – how many times have we even said Taiwan Jones' name in this entire year? I don't remember a time outside of offseason, preseason. And the way that he can stay calm, cool, collected, and controlled under pressure, that's one element about Deshaun that should never go underrated, underappreciated. Honestly, outside of the inspiration that the team got from J.J. Watt, the Texans were pretty lucky to come out this with a W. Awesome. There was a lot of times where, like the Cody Ford situation, if that don't happen, the They're Bills still get the field, field goal. goal. They're still in the field goal The range. game is over at the end of regulation, and this whole entire show would go from, you know, J.J. Watt being the inspiration to what the hell just it's happened. It's time to Move clean on. house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and even in, in pre uh, the pre-show production meetings we were talking about, like, this this whole entire show depends on what happens exactly. at the end of this game. Because we went from literally, we was gonna say clean house. It was first half, clean house. Clean house. Second, Second half, half, it was JJ Watson inspiration, how great Deshaun Watson. Towards the end of the game, after that, <laughs> after that bogus call by Bill O'Brien, oh, it's time for you to go with Jason Garrett. Both of you guys could could yeah. leave right out of the Lone Star State. Right now. Well, right now, literally. So I will say this, and I'm not gonna hold. We're not gonna hold you guys any much longer because uh, we have an entire week to discuss a lot of things. But one theme that I am thoroughly concerned about—that it wasn't a first half theme, wasn't a second half theme, it was the entire game theme—was just a lack of discipline when it came to tackling. The Houston Texans, Romeo Cornell. This entire week, I don't know what they need to do. I don't know if 
uh, what, Monday, Tuesday, they need to do Oklahoma drills to get fire under their belly? I don't know. But, God damn it, they need to work on tackling. Singletary, who he had the most Darren Sproles game I've seen from a running back that's not named Darren Sproles since Darren Sproles, was just able to make plays because he wasn't getting tackled. He was breaking tackles. Missing the Texans were missing tackles, and in the end, it was almost going to kill them. Let me tell you the type of game Singletary had 58 yards on the ground, and then he led the Buffalo Bills in receiving with 76. Just because when he was getting the ball, he did a damn good job of, of eluding tackles, but the Texans did a terrible job of wrapping up and tackling. When you play against the, the Ravens or the Chiefs. If you if if the trend continues, then you're 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 out. There's there's nothing you're gonna know on defense. You have the explosive offense on both ends, and there are trends that the Texans do that work in their favors, in their favor. I.e., DeAndre Hopkins is the second best receiver in the second half, and it showed Saturday, right? It showed in the Bills game. Had 90 yards in the second half after not having anything in the first half, but. You cannot continue the trend of missing tackles. That has been a problem the entire year. Entire year. Missing tackles and slow starts. That's a trend that they got to work on this week. That's a trend you and I will continue to talk about all week long. I have to. Another area is, and we'll bring this back, does Romeo Cornell trust his DBs? Does he trust his secondary? Does he trust his cornerbacks? But next week, hopefully, we'll have Jonathan Joseph back. Uh, we'll keep up the uh, situation with uh, Will Fuller, how that can affect the game. Kenny Stills was great today. He had a big play in the fourth quarter uh, overtime to keep the ball moving. You know, we can criticize this Texan team a lot, but they got the win. They got the dub in a dramatic fashion. J.J. Watt's first game back, he, I think, is the sole reason why they win this game. And now they move on to the divisional round, their first time since the Oakland Raider game when they played Connor Cook. Um, and I'm happy for this team. And I'm happy that Bill O'Brien can just say, okay, whew, I finally got my quarterback that I've been wanting this entire time. Last year, we laid an egg. This year, much better. Bulls on parade. Go Texans. And once again, I am Cody Davis, and you can find Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. Please stay up to date with us. We will have you guys covered on all things Texans as we get prepared for this divisional round. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. And please follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. John, some sports guy Hickman here. Uh, follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two Y's at the end. Guys, don't forget to check out you can argue that sports.com. That is you can argue that sports.com. We will start a giveaway starting Monday. And speaking of starts, when the season is over and it gets slow, we're going to pick a day where we have the listeners come on the show. You can debate Texans with us. You can talk Texans with us. We want to make sure we let you guys be a part of this podcast because without you guys, we would not be here. I'm not going to end today with a word from the wise. I'm just going to say that. Well, here's a reminder. At the beginning of this season, in the top 100 player list, They had the audacity to put Baker Mayfield over Deshaun Watson.
The Chicago Bears also passed on Deshaun Watson. Whether you like him or not, whether you like his good or his bad, he could always be worse. Until tomorrow, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.